Eye on 2020, episode 89. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray here, your host of ION 2020, your news source for all the related events and things that are going on as we lead up to the November 2020 elections against uh, Donald Trump, the President of the United States now, and everyone is circling the wagons uh, trying to figure out who their candidate's going to be, and uh, they're going to go ahead and find somebody on the Democratic side that's going to try to beat up Trump just as much as he tries to beat them up, and we'll be here Monday through, or I'll be here Monday through Friday for you five days a week to make sure that I'm bringing you all about those news and related events, as well as, you know, some just commentary and general things that are going on in the news, and also some of the Eye on the Empire stuff that I find as well. Eye on the Empire is the website that I have, and that's uh, looking not only at the presidential election, but I also take a look at national and international affairs, uh, foreign policy issues that uh, are what your federal government is doing to you and to those abroad in initiating force and power across the globe. Uh, so I appreciate you coming out and listening. And uh, go ahead and if you like what you hear at the end of the show, you can go and subscribe to it as well. You can just hit that little subscribe button on your podcatcher. And you'll hear me some more tomorrow. But today, I'm gonna, what I wanted to do is bring you guys a little bit of commentary on this whole Venezuela crisis. Because, and I don't you call it a crisis, and it's a crisis for the people that are there. Uh, and the news media is trying to hype this thing up as if the United States needs to get in there and just go and invade the country, it seems like to me. You watch the news media, and they're challenging Trump pretty much to go in there and do something, which blows my mind. They should be out there at least just reporting on the facts and so forth, right? I, and uh, what, So what I wanted to talk to today is this Venezuela issue, and is it good or bad for the Trump re-election campaign and then we can go on. There's a couple of news stories that I wanted to go ahead and talk about as well. But Venezuela. So back in uh, January, the United States government recognized Juan Guaido as the president or acting president of Venezuela. And that was the United States that recognized him. There was an election and Nicolas uh, Maduro is the person that is the was the president of the country, still is the president of the country, but uh, this one Guaido guy, he was, I think he got like 22% of the vote or something like that, and then Maduro got the rest, uh, but the way that the United States framed it at the time was that the elections were kind of rigged and so forth, and you can imagine they may have been, they may not have been. Uh, you know, in a country like that where there is a, you know, a, a dictator-type role, like what Nicolas Maduro has, uh, you know, but supposedly has a lot of popularity, popularity among like the, the poor and the, what you would call the native inhabitants of that country. So when I, when I say that there's the Spanish families, right? 
that ruled that country before their, you know, in the 16, 17, 1800s and so forth. And those people still, even in Mexico, it's very similar as well, where you have the native inhabitants that the, that the Spaniards didn't really mix with that much. Now they all have darker complexioned skin and so forth. So when, like when an American white guy looks at them, you know, they all look, they have dark skin. So you assume that they're all from the same general place, I guess. That's what, I mean, that's what most Americans that don't know too much about this whole scenario would think, right? Um, but there's the Spanish culture and then there's the native culture, right? And I think he has a lot more, uh, Nicolas Maduro has a lot more support among those folks because those people are, are more likely to be poorer and so forth, right? Um, that's what I've heard. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going through some news reports and also some other things that I've found out. Now, the Juan Guaido faction, I guess you might call it, they're more of the upper middle class type and the richer folks, and he doesn't have a lot of support among the poorer people because what Nicolas Maduro has done and his predecessor had done was they were able to give handouts and they socialized a lot of things and stuff like that. So when you're able to buy a lot of the support from the people with the oil money and the revenue that was coming in, uh, you do get a lot of popular sentiment. I mean, imagine if Barack Obama, 08, 09, 2010, instead of bailing out the the banks, went and bailed out everybody that was like in the bottom 55% of the country, let's say, right? You would assume like the bottom 55% of income earners, he bailed them out, paid off their mortgages, gave them food or whatever. You would see, you know, you, you basically just went out and bought all those votes. And that's basically what... Uh, Maduro's predecessor did. And Maduro was riding on that same wave as well when he became uh, the president. I think it was 2014, maybe 2013. Um, And America has been trying to undermine the government of Venezuela since about 1999. When Hugo Chavez became a very, you know, he was a very popular candidate and then he ended up taking over the presidency of that country in 1999 rode in a wave of uh, popular sentiment and he ended up nationalizing a lot of a lot of the country and so forth but he was very popular among the very poor and maduro is his successor the person that he actually chose to run the country after he after he died so with that being said these guys have a lot of a lot of popularity among the very poor now, the country is having major issues. I think since about 2014 or so, they've been having some major issues, but you've heard a lot more about it in the last two or three years or so uh, with the price of oil coming down and so forth. The country is not bringing in as much revenue. And what they do in that country is they sell their oil for U.S. dollars like most countries in the world do. They sell their oil for U.S. dollars, then they use those U.S. dollars to buy imported products. Well, as the price of oil comes down, that the U.S. dollar, that they're, they're, they're not getting as many U.S. dollars coming in, and that's making it so they cannot get as many imported products coming in. And at the same time, I believe that you're not allowed to have U.S. dollars in Venezuela. You're not allowed to use them as currency. You use their currency as currency. I'm not sure what that currency is. Um, but the, at the same time as that happens, and since they can't get as many imported products coming in, 
the the price of those products start going up so inflation starts happening and then what the government does is they start printing more money printing more money and then the inflation rate goes up by hundreds of percent every single you know every month i think it was and over time the inflation rate just starts skyrocketing so what the government does is then they start trying to do countermeasures well we're just going to increase everyone's minimum wage we're going to hand out subsidies we're going to you know give out free food and things like that these baskets of food i think that they that the government gives out once a month to families and things like that so they're just they're trying to they're trying to do things that are not economically viable in order to fix their economy because that's what governments do, whether it's a socialist government or not. Um, but what the reason why it got out of control is because it is a social go- socialist government that depended upon the oil revenue and the oil money coming in. So that's wh- why we're why they are at a crisis that they're at now, financially and fiscally. Right? Um, people are starving in the streets and so forth. People are, you know, losing. They they say. The average person is eating like eight or nine hundred calories a day, and they're losing tons of weight. They said like the average person's weight went down by twenty pounds last year or something in the last couple of years. So you're looking at a country that's having some major challenges, and that is just because it, you know it is a socialist socialized country. I think sixty percent of the the um, the nation is social. Sixty percent of the market is socialized and then there's like 40% there's not or it might be the opposite 40% and 60% but whatever it is the most of the major industries are owned by the owned by their government and the money that they once made is not rolling in and it it basically shocked their system where now the government starts printing the money and so forth so that's what maduro is dealing with <clears throat> they're going about he's going about it the wrong way in in uh trying to fix their fix their economy when he could probably just you know privatize the oil industry sell everything you know to the highest bidder basically take that money and then start they're able to manage the oil industry efficiently as well as some other industries i'm not going to tell them how to run their country but what's happening in that situation is america ever since the beginning 1999 hugo chavez gets in and you always heard venezuela is a bad actor on the international stage and that he needs to be replaced he needs to be out and so forth and with that i'm sure over time there's been plenty of international or plans made by the cia and different organizations and so forth on how to oust hugo chavez and then ever since 2013, how to oust Nicolas Maduro. And I know that I'm sure the federal government has been trying to figure out ways to make this thing happen. And now that they were able to make this happen with the new interim president coming on board in this election, the American, the, the federal government got involved in this election announced that Juan Guaido is now in two, in about, back, back in January 2019, they announced that Juan Guaido is going to be the acting president of the country that they're going to recognize him and America got 50 nations to come on board with us as well. Back in 2016, maybe 2017 no, it was 2017 Trump uh, put put some uh, economic sanctions on the country as well, so that accelerated the, the downfall and I'm sure what that was intending to do, because a lot of times it is, is to ferment regime change, ferment discord among the people so that they will demand a new leader, a new president, and so forth. So two years later, you're looking at 
January 2019, there's an election. America recognizes Juan Guaido as the president, but Nicolas Maduro says, oh, heck no, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And then ever since then, so it's been five months now, and I think it was last Tuesday, which would have been uh, May, May 1st, was it? That That's when they were talking about having this whole, oh no, that was, uh, excuse me, April 30th was... April 30th, 2019, is when they were talking about this, um, what was it, Juan Guaido, he decided that he was going to announce that we're going to have a coup, the military is going to follow me, and that we're going to push Maduro out, Americans, American, uh, John Bolton, who it was, he was the one that said that, you know, they had an airplane on the tarmac, ready to take Maduro out, take him to Cuba, and that he never showed up. Uh, who knows if that's really true or not? That's just what they're. That's what they were trying to lead Americans to believe at this time. So that's the whole scenario that we're in in Venezuela right now. And to me, I've always said this: it's not America's. It's not. Uh, it's not our decision on who's their president and who's not. Right? It's not. It's not for us to decide. We have sanctions on this country in order to foment this regime change. That's not something that we should be doing either. Trade with the people. All you're doing is making the people worse off. You're starving people because you're, they're not able to get the food. They're not even get the things that they need um, in that country. So I always, I always assume, and this is my belief, is that you take a hands-off approach to these countries and you just trade with them. And you ever heard the idea, if goods don't cross borders, armies will. Well, we're in that situation now. We're the ones that put the sanctions on this country. We're the ones that did it. The United States is the one that put the sanctions on this country that's accelerating the fall. And then that's trying to get Maduro out. But is that even our job? Is that Donald Trump's job to do that? Is it? I mean, I just don't think that that's the case. And we're in a situation now where they're talking about going to war with this country. They're talking about invading this country to get rid of Maduro. But my feeling on this is that spurs nationalism within this country, right? That spurs nationalism within Venezuela. So the Venezuelans realizing that America wants to invade, that gives Maduro something to work with now. These Americans are on our border trying to, inv- they're trying to invade our country. We need to do a military buildup. This is a country that has, I think, 2 million people in the military. This is going to be a long, drawn-out war if that's the case. And these people in these countries down in South America, they have guerrilla tactics, man. They have guerrilla tactics that are hard to beat. And I just don't, I mean, I I just don't see this as something that's going to be beneficial to the United States. Obviously, I'm anti-war, but I just don't see it. I I, I do see it as something that's going to be a long, drawn-out war and they need to avoid it at all costs. We have John Bolton and Mike Pompeo out there all week. And they've been saying, you know, military options on the table. All, you know, all bets are on. If he doesn't get out, he's, you know, he's, we're going to push him out. Um, it's, we, we're weeks away. It's going to happen. He's going to be gone. You know, Maduro's going to be gone and so forth. Um, the United States goes and recognizes this Juan Guaido guy who does not have popular support among the military or the people. 
50 nations get on board the United States to go ahead and recognize them. You have Russia that does not recognize it. They're saying it's Maduro's thing. And they have, they have, um, they have skin in the game because Maduro has like a ton of money that he owes the Russians. He's borrowed tons of money from the Russians. So obviously they have skin in the game to keep Maduro in so that he could pay off that debt, right? So they're on the side of Maduro. United States and these other 50 countries are on the side of Juan Guaido. Um, but all it is is political move- maneuvering at this point, I think. And I just, I just hope to God that nothing comes of this. I hope that in you know six months, a year from now, I'm not talking about this whole Venezuela crisis. I, you know, this idea of going to war with this country because if it ends up being a long drawn out war, it's going to be bad for our country. It's going to be bad for the soldiers. It's going to be bad for the parents of those soldiers and the families of those soldiers who end up sacrificing themselves for, in my opinion, no reason whatsoever except for some political, the political ambitions of Mike Pompeo and John Bolton, who are the perennial warmongers who always want to go to war in every chance that they could possibly find a war to go to. They are willing to go. But I imagine they don't have children in the military that can be that can end up sacrificing their lives for this cause. So that's where I that's where I come down on this issue. Uh, I appreciate you listening to that because you know I go I'm way off subject, but the main subject I'm going to get onto now is this: Is this good for Donald Trump's re-election campaign? I don't think so. I don't think that the American people are behind more wars. I think most people are very complacent when it comes to the war on terror and fighting against, you know, sending soldiers over to Afghanistan and Iraq. I think that we've just, you know, it's been 17, 18 years now, and we're looking at a war that just continues to go on and on and on. You don't see it in the news anymore. So I think there is major complacency over there. But if you put that down in Venezuela, I don't think that the people are going to follow through with that. I don't think that people believe in regime change anymore. They see what happened in in Libya. They see what happened in Iraq. They see what happened in Afghanistan. They see what's happening in Syria. And I don't think that they feel... They see what's happening in Yemen. And I don't think that Americans feel like that is the best route to go. I think that most of them are weary of regime change. So if that's the idea of sending soldiers down to Venezuela to fight in a war for regime change. I don't know if they're going to feel that way. Now, you could always bring up the terrorist issue for those other countries in the Middle East. I think most Americans are scared of terrorists. A lot of Americans worry about Muslim extremism and things like that. They think that if we don't fight them over there, like the like the government's always said, if they don't fight them over there, they're going to do it over here, right? And they and they could point to situations like Israel. They could point to situations that are going on in Europe, things like that, where there are terrorist acts that happen there and not that many terrorist acts happen in the United States. And they say, see, if we don't fight them over there, it's going to happen over here. So there is that rationale that some of these guys have on that situation. But the Venezuela, you have a lot of Venezuelans in the United States that probably would like to see more freedom for their countrymen, I'm sure. 
But I don't think that Americans want to see regime a war for regime change. And that's, I mean, I, I'm glad that that, that that would be the case across the country. The only th- problem I see right now, though, is this. None of the Democrats are talking about this. I was reading an article, and I posted on Eye on the Empire a couple of days ago, and it said that the Democrats are staying away from foreign policy issues. And they the, the, the person that was writing the article was wondering why. Why would they stay away from foreign policy issues so much? And it didn't make sense to that person. It doesn't make sense to me. Democrats, it's not in their talking points at all to talk about foreign policy issues. They don't talk about the wars overseas. They don't talk about this Venezuela issue. All they talk about is Russian meddling. All they talk about is, you know, domestic issues, spending issues and things like that, spending more money. They're not talking about reducing money. They're not redu- talking about reducing the military and so forth. Now, there are the one or two outliers in, like Tulsi Gabbard, Mike Gavel, places, people like that, who do talk a little bit about it, but most of them do not make that a primary focus of their campaign. And they, if anything, they stay away from those issues. They were saying Cory Booker did not, has not said anything about foreign policy the entire campaign, and neither has Kirsten Gillibrand, and I think it was um, one of the other ones as well. I can't remember who it was that they mentioned in the article, but they were saying that there was like three or four that have never said anything about foreign policy at all during their campaign. So the talking points are written out somewhere that says stay away from foreign policy issues, you will lose. It's a losing issue. Focusing on the popular things like Medicare for all and whatever else, you know? But don't talk about a free college tuition, things that young people can get on board with. But don't talk about foreign policy. So I just think that for them, they can be, the Democrats can be a, you know, a, they can make a point to talk about these issues and it could be a winning issue for them. They can, but they don't. And that's what's scary. When the Democrats get off of it, the Republicans are not going to challenge Donald Trump whatsoever on this issue. But this is an issue that he needs to be challenged on. So, that's all I got for you guys today. I just wanted to talk about this. Is it a winning issue for Trump in Venezuela? No, it's not. Would it be a winning issue for a Democratic nominee to get elected? Obviously, the Democrats don't think it is. But I think that, you know, if this thing heats up, it definitely will be. And the person that's been saying no from the beginning is going to be one step ahead of the rest. But I appreciate you listening. I do. And uh, go ahead, if you can, you can subscribe to the show. And just do that if you, you know, they'll be able to hear the show tomorrow. And if you like what you heard, go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review. You can check me out at Empire.com and check me out on the Facebook page and also on Twitter at Empire. So I appreciate you coming out and listening and come on back tomorrow so you can have clear vision for 2020.